desperate, you know, at the time I was 17, 18, unemployed, you know, and I was desperate to, you know, to get a break. And I knew that if I did get a try, I would, you know, I would grab the chance. I think it was always going to be boxing to me. I stepped into the gym as a 10 or 11 year old. Boxing just took hold of my heart straight away. I love everything about the sport of boxing. Hello, I'm Marie Crow, and this is We Become Heroes, the RTE sport podcast that explores how elite athletes and sports people reach the top of their game and the lessons that they learned along the way. I'm delighted to say my guest today is former Republic of Ireland player and manager Mick McCarthy. Mick, thanks so much for coming on. How is life? It's a pleasure, Marie. It's nice to see you. Life's good at the moment. I'm down in Cardiff, back at work in the championship. I'm totally enjoying it. Thank you. I always, I've always thought that life in professional football and a career in a professional game and having such a long career that you've had, it must be pretty nice to, to be in that environment. Just something that you must love so much. Oh yeah, for sure. It's, uh, it's funny when I'm, when I'm not doing it, I kind of enjoy the break in the summer, but then I crave it when I'm coming back. And, and I, I, I love it being here with the players. I love the crack with the lads. I love the crack with the staff. I love... The organisation, the organising things and, and doing the coaching and being managing, uh, everything that goes with it, uh, you know, playing the games is the best. That's that's the best part. Of course, we all lose sometimes, so that's, we know we get beaten. That's that's when you get the disappointments. But, you know, you get a disappointment, you just crack on to the next one, see if you can win that one. Yeah, it's great at least to have something like that is of the same value almost coming up pretty much week on week. And even when you think about how many different jobs that you've had <clears throat> over so many years and you're still going and still in demand and still have so much to offer, whatever about your, your coaching ability, but it must say a lot about your personality to sustain such a long career in a stressful environment where you have to please a lot of people, fans, players, owners, all the rest. Oh yeah, there's all of that. You are as a player, you just you're, you're pleasing. First and foremost, you please yourself, and if you please yourself as a player, generally you're playing well. So you please the boss, you please the fans, you please everybody else. That's okay. You please your teammates. You know you are trying to you're spinning plates with players, picking them, choosing them, training them, coaching them, managing them. You've got to manage upwards to the uh, maybe the CEO or the owner. Uh, and then you've got the fans who everybody has an opinion. And of course, there's all these platforms now that can voice their opinions on. So I think it's got harder for other managers coming into the game now than I had it. Uh, and I've I've got on with it and evolved with it over the last 30 years. And I actually enjoy pretty much most of it. Pretty much most of it. You know, there's, there's a bit with... And I'm not about the, the, the press and the media because I quite enjoy sparring with them as well most of the times. Uh, but there's the, you know, you you pick the team and everybody's got an opinion. Uh, I'm not on social media. I think some of the younger managers who are, it must drive them insane. Uh, that's something I won't, I won't be getting involved in. I don't think <laughs> do, I can rest assured. Have you spent a lot of the last few weeks watching the Euros? I have, yes, and I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. I mean, I wish we'd been there, of course, uh, but... Sadly, we weren't. Uh, yeah, lots of circumstances surrounding that. And then we, we didn't have, have any games in Dublin, in Ireland, of course. It's been great. And, and I watched the semi-final last night. I thought England were very good. Although, you know, Denmark, who we played, put up a really good show. It's been great. I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, and I'm looking forward to the final on Sunday. 
how do you find watching England? Because there's been such a big debate here over the last few days about whether or not Irish people can comfortably support them and whether they're happy for them when there is success. And the tide seems to be changing a bit now. The narrative is they're a really nice bunch of lads. Garrett Southgate is a really good manager and people seem to be getting behind them. I agree with you. I think the the narrative has changed for you. I mean, England... there always seem to be a story coming out of that players misbehaving, doing something, something's wrong. Uh, there's not been anything. Gareth Southgate is a genuinely lovely fella and obviously quite capable. And I think he's he seems to have got the players all behaving in that way, whatever you might think. He's like a, a respectful way, a humble way, a way that I think people will take to them, whether, whether it's uh, England fans or anybody else. I mean, in Ireland, for heaven's sakes, if you, if you look at the English team, all of them play for teams that Irish fans support anyway, you know, whether it's Man United, Man City, Liverpool, all the teams that they come from. So they must have some support when they're, when they're playing there. Uh, whether it, whether it's appropriate to support them or not, I mean, I, I don't get excited about it. I don't, I'm not, I'm not a, it's strange if you're not a football... When you read it professionally, and I see all the fans last night singing and dancing and hip hip hooray. We kind of do that on a Saturday or a Tuesday night. It, it's it's unusual for us. And I've asked some of the other lads around here today we, who, who support England. We are celebrating, no, nah, not really gaffy. It's, it's a bit strange, you know, <laughs> don't get carried away with it. So it's definitely it's been one for the fans. That they've had a great time. Yeah, and I think especially because there was no fans of sport for so long that it almost feels... Like it's something worth celebrating, even if the, oh, that you're not. It is. I'm wonderful to have them back in stadiums. It's just making the game so much better. Yeah, and will they win on? Will England win on the weekend? Will they win? I think the can. I said all along that I thought England could win it. Uh, Italy are a, a very durable, good team. They've not lost for 30, 32 or thirty-three games, so that that speaks for itself. I don't really have to speak about them. But I do think that uh, England have got the firepower. They can they can beat them, yes. I don't think there's any, no doubt in my mind that England can win it. Whether they do, I, I mean, I toss a coin. They're both two good teams. But England are good enough to win it, yes. OK, well, we will find out soon enough. Now we're going to get into our questions about your career, if that's OK with you. So Bye. when you think back to when you were young, what's your first memory of sport? Uh, my first memory is playing football with my dad. Uh, everywhere. Moving settees and tables in the lounge, uh, outside in the garden, out in the, the wreck. We used to go to the recreation ground, the field that was in front of our house, out there playing football with my dad or, or anything else. But it was, it was generally always football. And uh, people of, of my generation and much older will remember Puskas and Hidiguti. And I think that team had just beaten England 5-0, the Hungarian team. And whenever I was playing against my dad, he was always doing hidiguti or Puskas, which meant nothing to me at the time. But I now realise how good of players they were. And, and you know, he'd recognise that, obviously, watching is much older than me as my dad. Uh, he played with us all. That's my, my first memory is playing any sport with my dad. <clears throat> what about um, seeing it on TV or kind of been aware that there were these teams that you would maybe one time like to play for? Oh, of course. I mean, look, I remember Manchester United winning the European Cup 
67, was it? I'm only eight. And the World Cup in 66, I was seven. If you asked if I've got any enduring, long-lasting memories of it, no. I remember seeing Manchester, the, the European Cup final, a bit more than the World Cup, to be honest with you. Uh, <clears throat> I always used to have a bet on games, but I can't bet now. But I'd have a, 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 a 10 pence bet with my next-door neighbour. He knew I loved football, and he'd always tease me and he'd have a bet. Thankfully, it was very kind. Even if I lost, I think he let me keep the 10p or the two shilling. It would have been at the time. Uh, they're my first memories watching it. Uh, and match of the day. I mean, Saturday night was sacrosanct. If I could stay up to watch match of the day, what was it, 10 o'clock at night, then I'd been a very lucky boy. Uh, and any football you could watch. And now, it might sound strange now that to people, but it, just, it might be once a week on Saturday. And there might have been a European game on, on the Wednesday. <clears throat> Hence the European Cup final with Manchester United when they won it. And, and I watched that. But uh, now it's on it's every station you turn on now, there's something on. Yeah, or YouTube or wherever you want it. Yeah, you can get it. <clears throat> and who were your heroes? Like, did you have posters on the wall? And if so, who were they? Yeah, well, Leeds, Leeds United were my team. I, I supported the Gary Sprake, Paul Reaney, Terry Cooper, Jack Charlton, Norman Hunter, Billy Bremer, Johnny Giles, Peter Lorimer, uh, Eddie Gray, Mick Jones and, and Alan Clark. And Paul Maley was the, you know, I had one sub at the time, he was a sub. I loved that team, that was my team. And uh, I, I, I never went there. I mean, we live 20 miles away. But from my old fellow working 12-hour shifts, I was never going to go and watch games. But they were the team at the time. They were the ones that were the top team and they were Yorkshire side where I was from. So I love them. And then, for, <coughs> excuse me, fortunately, I, I met loads of those and played with them and, and had, had them as managers, those players. It was wonderful. So when did you first realise that you, you were good at football, you had a bit of talent, sport could be your thing? Uh, I went to a junior school. It was, it was about 100 people and, it, and all, the headmaster left and all the... All the teachers were ladies. And uh, when I was in the final year of that, they, I think they used to rely on me to pump the ball up, pick the team and do everything else. I didn't think I was good at it then. I just thought I was uh, probably the best one in that school, but there wasn't many there, so it didn't make much difference. I mean, I got, I, got, I, I had trials for Barnsley Juniors. I never got in there. I had trials for Barnsley Boys. I never got in there. Having trials is one thing. <clears throat> So I was always at the higher end of my, my my peers. I was always one of the better players. Because, you know, in sport, that doesn't make you very good at it. You know, you can be a good fellow with your mate on a Sunday morning playing any sport, but can you do it professionally? So, I mean, I was 16 playing for Barnsley Boys Club and uh, Keith Steele, who had a real influence on me, recommended me to Barnsley. And I went down there and knocked on their door, bizarrely enough, when you think how they chased people around now, and said Keith Steele had sent me. Nobody knew anything about it. Anyway, long story short, I ended up signing as an apprentice. And I still didn't... It didn't do, I, every time you get... You think you're getting better, you think, well, I'm an apprentice footballer at Barnsley. They were in the fourth division. It didn't make me a very good player. <laughs> but at least I was proud of it, and that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a footballer. Uh, but it was, it was at that time I realised I was, I was decent at it because 
We then start playing, we're a fourth division club, but we're playing Leeds, Newcastle, Sunderland, Middlesbrough, Sheffield Wednesday, Sheffield United, who were all teams in the old first and second division. And I could hold my own against all those teams, all those teams. It was not never a problem to me playing against them. So then I started to believe that I could actually be a, a, a footballer. And, and you know what, from that moment on, I was pretty single-minded that I was going to be an apprentice. I'd sign pro, I'd play for Barnsley, I'd go and sign for somebody else. And who knows what after that. But that was my, that was my mentality from signing. Once I realised I could hold my own in amongst all those, I really progressed after that. Did you have a backup plan in case it didn't work out or was that just, that's what you were going to do and that was it? <laughs> <laughs> zero, zero backup plan, no, not at all. I mean, I'd left school at 16 without uh, too many qualifications to my name. Uh, it, it, it kind of galvanised my thoughts, you know, mm -hmm. when you think I'm going to back up. I thought I'd better make sure I'd be a footballer. But oh, I mean, the, the amount of people that told me I was never good enough, I'd never be a good footballer, I'd never play. Mind, they were still telling me that when I was 30 and I was captain in Ireland, so uh, that never changed. Um, no, I, I look back now and I, and I, I say to the, the lads here, the younger lads, get a backup plan. Don't, don't just rely on football. And because you might be the best player of all, Marie, but you could get injured. Mm -hmm. You know, something as bad as that can happen. It's not just going to be playing sailing. And it's not an easy career. It looks like when, when the players are playing for the national team, they all seem to have loads of money and it's everything. You have to work damned hard and have to be pretty selfish at times and single-minded. And, you, you you know, you've got to make sure that you, you make a living out of it. You've obviously come seen so many footballers come and go through your playing career and your management career. What is the best asset for a footballer to have, do you think? Well, wow, that's a question. The, the single most best asset, I, I would say attitude. Mm -hmm. Attitude, determination, belief, they might come under, they probably come under attitude, I would have thought, that, you know, they'll come there. Because, and people might hear this and think, no, it's got to be ability, surely. It's got to be, you know, skill, talent. Well, you know, you kind of you kind of get to a football club because you've got skill and talent, but loads of them get to that point, and loads of them never get anywhere. And through my experience, my own experience, I wasn't the best player. And then I realised why people told me I'd probably never make it. But I did because I was a determined little sod, I was a determined big sod, as it turned out in the end. And I had to work for it, and I, and I was never said I never give up. Always, always happy to have a scrap. Not physically, but a football scrap, you know. And uh, I, you know, I made it out of a bit of bloody mindedness and sheer determination. And if you've got that, you've got a chance. And I, and and the worst, the players that I, I really can't get on with the ones who've got super talent and don't want to run around and don't want to do the hard yards and don't want to uh, be single minded and 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 be part of the team. I don't have to be part of the team. Because there are some who are, you know, they might be lone individuals, lone wolves a little bit, but they work hard. And uh, I don't like the ones that don't, I'm afraid. And I make it, make it known to all of them. Yeah, unfortunately, <coughs> there are plenty of them and often they don't realise what they need to do until it's too late. So when you were 
developing as a footballer and were following your dream, what was the thing that you had to work hardest at in order to succeed? Uh, <clears throat> I can't honestly say there was ever one thing that I did. I mean, didn't really have a very good left foot. I should have worked harder at that. I made sure I was probably the best header of the ball in the club. So I was a centre-back and I was a good defender. And I actually worked on the things that I was good at and tried to make myself better. And I, 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 I'm not going to be, sounds really conceited. I don't think I had one... By the way, I'm middle of the road here as a player. So I'm not... So you keep I'm, not, saying... I'm not down at the bottom and I'm not up at the top, but I, <laughs> I was pretty consistent in everything. I, had. I don't think I had one real deficiency. I, I wasn't quick. You can't really make yourself quick. My left foot wasn't great, so you can work on that. But I was a decent athlete. I was a decent size. I wasn't, I wasn't slow, but I wasn't quick. I was, I was decent with the ball, but I wasn't brilliant. It was... Look, I just... Uh, I worked at everything that I needed to work at that, that ensured that ensured me that I got a football be a footballer. I was I was physical enough. I did, we, we, this, this so changed as well. I look at the the training that we do before training, prehab, and then the training that we're doing and the strength and conditioning. We didn't have any strength and conditioning. We didn't have any nutrition advice. I mean, it's it's incredible how it's changed. All for the better, of course. So I I, I saw that question. I thought. You know, I just I just worked at everything I needed to work at to yeah. uh, to make me be a player. Did you enjoy other sports or play other sports? I do. I love them, and I loved it. I loved it when I could still play them. I'm afraid I can't now. Uh, I uh, just through the amount of games I've had. I mean, the body's took its toll, but I love playing tennis. I love playing badminton, squash. Uh, I can't see that happening too soon, having to stop, start all the time. My knees would back up. Uh, I, I love going out on my bike. I love cycling now, actually, because that's low impact and it keeps me fit. Uh, basketball, I played as a kid at school. I loved, I loved basketball. I was one of the bigger ones then, but I realised I wouldn't be now at seven foot, some of them. But I used to love playing basketball. Um, anything, any, any, you know, if you're at a senior school... You kind of try everything, and I loved it all. Cricket didn't bother me, I have to be honest. And that's 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 a guy coming from Yorkshire who, uh, you know, he's kind of revered there. You know, at one stage, you weren't allowed to play for if unless you came from Yorkshire, you couldn't play for Yorkshire. That's that's how bloody minded we are in Yorkshire, of course. And I remember when we were having our second child, we were at Manchester City, and we were. My wife Fiona was having the baby and having the baby because we didn't know what we were getting mm -hmm. uh, in Manchester. And I had people say to me, "You do know if it's a boy, he won't be able to play cricket for Yorkshire." <laughs> well, thank God for that because it wouldn't be. I'd soon him play football for somebody. I mean, that's uh, so. No, cricket wasn't my bag. <clears throat> but anything else, I'd have a go at it. I was, I was, you know, pretty decent at most. Not great, but decent. You still look like you are really fit. And I know you're saying the body stops mm. and starts a little bit. So obviously that must be something that, that's important to you, is it, to, to stay fit now? It is. It's, uh, it's inbuilt, I think, that. I mean, not in everybody, but I, myself and TC, Terry, my assistant, 
we're in the gym at 6.30, stroke seven most mornings. I do an hour on the bike and then do some weights and he's pumping the weights out. So we, you've got to keep fit. I think it's important that, you know, players see that you're taking a, a bit of interest in yourself and keeping yourself in good shape. I'm never going to join in the football again, that's for sure. But it is important. And, and, and the one game I, I did, I love playing. I'm not very good at it, golf. That enables me to, you know, I want to be fit. I want to be able to walk around the golf course and keep playing. And I want to be able to play with my grandkids and I want to be able to go out cycling. And actually, I like eating and I like drinking. So uh, <laughs> I like a bevy. So uh, keeping keeping slim keeps that. I can, I can do that. Are you competitive in the gym with TC? Uh, no, we, we're on different things. We're, uh, he, I say he's out there pumping, pumping his weights more than I'm on the bike. I wondered this morning, actually, because I was in there slightly before him and he, I'm sure he was hanging out to make sure he left after me this morning. So, so there's a bit of a competition going on. But I tell everybody, Marie, all the players, every day is a competition. Mm. You're a footballer. And, you know, sometimes I look back and I, and I, and I, I, kind, of, I kind of regret... I can't say I regret it. I, I sometimes feel as if people who, who know me, even my family, every day was a competition. It didn't matter what it was. Every single day. Even with the kids playing anything, you know, it was competition. And uh, I guess, look, that's why I guess I've had any success I've had is because I've been competitive. Yeah. Sometimes it's not nice, you know. Sometimes you could just go, <laughs> I still can't. I haven't got it. So... <laughs> Is there a difference, though, between being competitive, which is seen as a good thing, or having things as a competition, to win-at-all-cost attitude? Uh, yeah, I had, uh, I had that as a player. There's no doubt I had that. Uh, just the way I played, I wouldn't, I, you know, i go flying into tackles whether I got hurt or anybody else got hurt. I'm challenged with my head and... Had it cut open a number of times. I guess my nose has been broke a couple of times. Uh, I did have that, and I think that's that side of me has eased somewhat. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not. No, I'm not. I'm not winning at all costs. I'm not cheating. No, that, that I'm not. I'm not having that. I'm not. I'm not going down that road. But physically, anything I could have done on the football field, I would have done it. Now, anything I can do within the rules or the parameters of the game and we can, you know, sometimes you might be stretching them, then yes, I'll do it and I, I want to win. But uh, I, I am gone soft in my old age, but I can't, I can't play anymore, you know. So I, I say on the pitch, it was, a, it was a different ball game with me. It was, it was win at all costs and that's, that's what I'm saying. I don't think it made me particularly nice. It's a common theme in these podcasts that I have done that people have raised that win of all costs and essentially don't regret it because it was uh, they were driven by the sport and the want to win and it was just part of them and <coughs> probably made them the players that they were. And I agree, Marie. I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't do it any other way. It's either 100% or forget it because I had to. I wasn't good enough to do it any other way. And, and I've realised that. You know, I'm sure I realised that a long time ago. I had to do it. And you don't when you're younger, you're doing it. And, and then I, I, I understand why I was like that. Mm-hmm. And I had to be. And I, and I still am. I still do it. But it's not, it's not, I'm not playing anymore. 
Yeah. But I still drive everybody else to be the best they can. Did you ever have a setback in your career, a difficult one that was over you had to overcome? I saw that question, and you know, I, I, I think I was, uh, in regards to sport, I think I'm a member of the Lucky Sperm Club because uh, whatever, whatever has brought me into this world, I was pretty lucky. I had, I had some injuries, but I, I wasn't. I, I've never had any real uh, life-threatening. I, I didn't have any uh, career-threatening. You know, I, I ended up playing 550 odd games, I think, at league level, and then and then 67, 57 internationals, and trained every day. So I, I didn't have any real injury setbacks. Although when you're a footballer, a sportsman, it doesn't matter. Every every injury seems like a setback. The worst one I had was when I signed for Celtic, and I strained a stomach muscle, and I missed the first 12 weeks of the season. That, that was a that was about as big a setback as I'd had, and I was, you know, I was, I was a bit later on in my career, and I was 28. But no, I, I never really had. I can't say it was all, all perfectly smooth. Loads of things happened. I think that injury at Celtic was probably the worst, the worst that happened to me. Are you a difficult person to be around when you're injured? Uh, I think if you asked Fiona, my wife, she would, uh, she would, she would say yes, and I'd concur with that opinion. Uh, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a difficult person to be around when when football's going on as well at times. That's what I say. It, it makes you it makes you not a nice mm-hmm. person, you know. I mean, I'd be certainly when I was injured, uh, but that's that's a long time ago. And now it's now it's winning and losing, you know. I'd be I remember being driving home from Ipswich. And I get in the car and I haven't spoken to Fiona for about 30 miles, 40 miles. <laughs> and she hasn't spoken to me. <laughs> so why the hell I would think she should speak to me or not? Because I turned around and I said to her, what's up with you? <laughs> she says, what do you mean? I said, you've not said a word. She went, you are kidding me on. She said, you've not said a word. And I didn't, I didn't say a word because of the way you are. I know. I understand that. Yeah. And what about, well, say, when was there a moment during your career where you thought, I belong here, I can go and play against the best, I can manage against the best, I am where I should be, you know, I am I am at the top of my game? Well, play, playing, I never thought that. When I was a player, I never thought about managing until later on. Uh, I did think when I played for Barnsley, I could... I could go up the football ladder and, and play higher. And then I went to Manchester City and I was convinced I could. I mean, I was I was playing in the fourth division and uh, that was relatively easy for me. Third division, I found that really tough the first year, same year, I got to grips with it. And I kept nipping away and progressing, signed for City. So as a player, I never, I, I never ever doubted myself where I could play. I, I, honestly, I, I must... I sound really conceited that I, I, I didn't doubt myself and I didn't big myself up either. I wasn't thinking, oh, I should be playing in the first division, but I, I just thought, you know, every 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 challenge that came along, I managed to rise up to it and, and confront it and get on with it. And that's so that 
I, I, do you know what you're asking me? I, I never give it too much thought. I said to you when I when I became a pro footballer, I thought that's me. Sign for Barnsley. So go somewhere else, play that. Maybe get an international cap. I, I must I must have had uh, I must have had sodas for brains thinking that. When I, when I see how many young players don't make it now, that's when I realised I am so fortunate to have had the career that I've had. It sounds like with that mindset, you have been quite content. <laughs> you think so? <laughs> <laughs> I'm never, I'm never content with, with just what I've done. No, not at all. Um, I wasn't as a player. I always want. That's what I'm saying. I just wanted to keep going and, and keep going and, keep, and get as best I can. And as, as as far for me having playing for Ireland, having 57 caps. You know, I remember when I when I when I first got Owen Hand picked me, and I thought brilliant. That's, and then I got the first cap, and I didn't get too many good reviews. After I can't get ten here, I I got ten. I wanted fifty. I wanted fifty <laughs> caps. I wanted that gold medal for fifty caps. And Marie, I got them. I had fifty-seven of them, and I'm not. Uh, and it's just, you know the best thing that happened to me. That it was wonderful. What would you say was your greatest success then? Well, as a player, playing playing for Ireland and, and captaining the national team in Rome against Italy, that's, that has to be. That was the pinnacle of my career. It's, it's, uh, if you've asked me what was the best night in my life, that is. And if you ask me what the worst is, that's it as well, because we lost. Uh, no, you know, not, not the worst night in my life. It was, it was the best night in my life. The biggest disappointment on the pitch coming off and we'd lost to them. I thought, we, I, I actually believe we could get to the final that year. We were, I thought we were that good and that solid. Ah, it wasn't a big, you know, we lost to Italy and Rome. Um, so as a player, that has to be it. And as a manager, managing Ireland in the World Cup, that doesn't get any higher than that. And getting to the last 16 and playing so well against Spain, uh, it, was a, it was a great tournament. And, and sadly, that tournament gets overlooked slightly for other things that go in the way. Does that bother you? No, nah, not really. I guess not really because I had my happy memories of it, but I, uh, it slightly irks me. When I, when I hear the talk about other tournaments, that kind of, that, it only gets remembered for, for one thing, as opposed to the team that were great, a really young team, vibrant team that played really good football and actually performed fantastically well. So, so it bothers me for them as much as anything. I don't think they get recognised for the achievements they had. Yeah, and I know people ask you about it all the time. Uh, does that bother you? Like still now and everything that's happened and went on, you get asked about it regularly? Uh, I do, uh, yeah. It's uh, it's just part of my life. I said it would happen, and uh, and it does. I mean, the most obscure things. I mean, I think it's some people who so they recognise me, then they think of something that they can say to me. So they come say that. <laughs> <laughs> Use that when I was a player. <laughs> oh, I remember. I remember that own goal you scored. Or, uh, okay. What about a goal I scored or a game I played well in? It's always something kind of negative that they blurt out. Yeah. But it's they look. It's part of my life. And I wouldn't change it at all. Yeah, well, yes, you've definitely got uh, something that people want to talk about anyway, anytime they see you. So you'll never be left alone. Um, when you look back at all the 
players that you've encountered and managers that you have uh, worked uh, under and with who and your family as well who had the biggest impact on your career uh, I'd have to break that down slightly to who had so my dad was the first one that ever not my career but in terms of me as a sporting person I played football with him and so he started me off but when I when I signed for Barnsley there was a guy called Norman Rimmington Rimmel, who he was the groundsman, but he'd been he'd, he'd been caretaker manager, he'd been uh, coach, he'd, he'd done every job there, and I love the bones of him. Uh, he'd talk about his stories being down the pit when he worked and old football stories, and that's when we used to clean the toilets and divot the pitch and sweep the terraces. And my happiest moments were listening to him, whether we that divot in the pitch or having lunch, listening to his stories. And he gave me so much support as a 16-year-old and then a young 18-year-old pro. And then when uh, he, he was the assistant manager and physio, I know it sounds crazy now, but that's how it worked at the time. And he believed in me. On a Saturday morning when I played at the intermediate level at 17, 18, he was the one with his arm around me and encouraged me and, and assist me and helped me. So he was he was a real inspiration and one of my mentors. But then other managers who've come along and, and then so it's different parts of my life. I can't say that one has had, you know, he had a real impact. I mean, I used to go and see him when I went to watch Barnsley until he died. He was 90 somewhere more. Uh, the, all the managers had an impact on me, Alan Clark, Norman Hunter, Billy McNeil. But Jack Charlton had probably the biggest impact on me uh, as a manager. And of course, I only saw him on an a, on a, on a irregular basis, you know. Maybe four, five, six months a year we'd, we'd meet up and have games. But it's how he, how he played me, what he spoke to me about, what he encouraged me, what he told me, uh, the advice he gave me as a, as a centre-half, and he was a great centre-half. And then... When I became the island manager, the support he gave me for that. So, uh, because I was wet behind the ears, fancy following Jack Charlton. What a goon, what a clown I was. Uh, but in the end, it worked out. It worked out well, and, and I was never going to turn it down. But he gave me great support, and uh, I'll always be grateful for him. What's the most difficult part of international football management? Uh, the... Uh, Inactivity with the players and the irregular games that you have, you just you just don't get chance to to plan or to to uh, you can plan all you like, and then on Sunday I get the message that I've got five players who are not coming because they're injured, uh, or some are not coming, and it, it, you know you, you you're planning. You can be you you sat at home for weeks on end making all these plans and what you would like to do and what you think you should do. And then on Sunday, so I guess, right, put that in the bin and we'll start something else. Uh, not how you're playing, but I'm not about the personnel that you're getting. Uh, that's that's the difficulty. That is, uh, fortunately, we always had it with Ireland and I had it when I played, and I think we had it when I was the manager, that lads so loved coming into the place. You know, there was a great, as soon as they came in, there was a great buzz and, Mick Burnaby there giving you a big hug and a hug and a kiss and how are you and little Charlie and all that, Charlie O'Leary. And it was such a happy camp that it, it made up for that lack of time with them. 
when they came in, they all just wanted to get down to work and do really well. Uh, and of course, we had we had years and years of success as a certainly with Big Jack, and then well, I don't know. Not quite what he had, but we ended up at a World Cup, so it was pretty good. This is one that always people find really hard. What will be your legacy, do you think? <laughs> um, what, what do you mean? What people think of me, what people would see me as. I hope they all think I've, I, I, I was somebody who promoted players to work hard, who was a hard worker himself. and. Uh, pretty durable, having more than a thousand games as a manager, five hundred odd as a player. Just somebody who worked hard and, and gave his best, and didn't accept anything less. And if, if people think that about me, and, and uh, you know, I treated people properly and fairly and honestly, and I'd, I'd settle for that. What about your? What do you think is your standout performance from your career? Uh, as a manager, I mean, I, can't, I find it hard to. I don't think anybody's alive who can remember me playing anyway. So, uh, as a as a player, as a manager, I'd have to, I'd have to say it would be the Holland game when you know we're we're playing against a great Dutch team. Of course, we're drawn with them in uh, in Amsterdam, and it's to get into the playoffs effectively. Uh, and we go down to ten men, and I think. I think one of the questions was uh, what performance would, uh, what's the question? Define. Would, would define me. Yeah. So I'll answer them both. I think in, in that performance, I'd like to think that defined me that we've gone down to 10 men who got backs against the wall. You know, we, uh, we're playing against a really good side, but wow, they're, they're putting some display that day. And, if if a team if a team reflects their manager, I'd like to think that was it. That against all odds, that we've we got a result that you know because I, I said I wasn't the best player, but wow, you didn't want to play against me because I scrapped you <laughs> and nail right to the last minute. I don't just mean you, but I mean you know. <laughs> I wouldn't uh, want to play tennis or golf against you. <laughs> no, I mean he's just never ever going to give up. It is. Uh, it, it, relentless, relentlessness that, that wanted to win and do it. And I said, at times, I look back on it and oh, I think I've done things that people might not like me for because of it. But hey, oh, so what? <laughs> <Don't> <laughs> no, I, that's, that's the way it is. So I'd like to think that would be, I, I would say that of my teams, of teams that I like to put together, they've got ability. I mean, Jason Mack's goal was wonderful. And, we, you know, that team plays some great football. But when it came to it and they had to scrap against all the odds, you know, and, and, and even then following on, going to Iran and having to play in Iran under those, those circumstances that night and, uh, and losing 1-0 in the 94th minute or something, they were a pretty resilient bunch, that lot. they were great. So what next then for you? We're heading into a new season. Oh, the highlights of what next is Bath City on, on Saturday. <laughs> Bath City is a pre-season friendly where uh, all our, 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 we'll just play two 45 minutes. So I'll pick two teams, one will play one half, one will play the other. And then it's Cardiff City for me this season. We've got our first home games, Barnsley at home. And then we'll be back at it again, 46 games, cup games, uh, the relentless 
nature of the championship, which I love. And just getting back into it. Yeah, it's great. I love, and we'll have fans in as well this year, which will make a big yeah. difference. Yeah. I think everyone will be looking forward to that. Mick, can, I, thanks. can I ask you a question, please? Yeah, of course. Because, well, so I, I, you got my email and I gave it, you WhatsApp me. So I thought, all right, well, I'll, I'll put my, my phone on my WhatsApp and I saw the picture. So what's the team? What's, what's the shirt? Are we uh, supporting? Uh, County Clare, where I'm from. So, yeah, yeah. I grew up in a small village, Six Mile Bridge. It's just near Bunratty Castle. And I know, I know Six Mile yeah. I used to go down to uh, Killaloo. Down oh, of there. course, yeah. So my dad's the hurling manager, the senior hurling manager down there. They're going for three in a row. Davy Fitzgerald, who I'm sure you know, is the coach. So you can imagine how obsessed um, my family and my house are now with hurling and going for the three county titles in a row. And then well, came I thought it was the hurling. My dad was a hurler. My dad oh, used, to, used to tell me to watch him play hurling. I mean, at four and five, I didn't really understand it, but he used <laughs> to take me there. And uh, of course, I know Claire and it's Claire and Tip, isn't it? They're on the other side of the river. Yeah, they're rivals, yeah. Yeah, so yeah tip, I mean, Killaloo, yeah. Tip just beat Claire at the weekend there in the Munster Championship, so it was a bit of a disappointment, but look, oh, they right. still have the qualifiers to go, so you never know. So uh, there you go. I wonder, I wonder who it was. I saw you with this photo, <laughs> and I thought I had to ask. Yeah, yeah that's why my county team, actually my, my son, and he's gone down to play a... To play a game with the Six Mile Bridge Hurlers this evening, so he's nine, so they're playing against the local rivals, and my dad's delighted he's coming down playing with, with his club and all the rest. So you talk about your kids have to be born in their county. He will not be able to play for Clare. He'll have to play for Dublin if the time comes. But oh, right, uh, yeah. they'd love to have him down there. But thank you so much for sharing your journey with me, Mick. It's been a lot of fun for sure, and I learned so much about it. And thank you so much as well for all the great days and all the great memories that you gave us here because you, there were so many of them and I hope that everybody watching enjoyed it as well. Please like or leave a re review and subscribe.